Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. We're a little later in bringing this podcast episode to you this week. The thought was teams could be so crucial and so critical that maybe we just wait for teams this week to be able to give you the best opportunity to have the best advice heading into the upcoming round of footy. Then teams dropped. Unless you're a Darcy Parish owner, there's not a whole heap of stuff that really happened. But the good news is there is still plenty of really relevant conversations we want to have with you right throughout this episode. Joining me on this podcast, as he has right throughout the 2023 season, is Rids. Hello, mate. How are you? Yo, how you going, mate? Good. It's good to have you. And you hear him a lot in the preseason. And every couple of weeks, he bobs up like a Chad Wingard goal. I'm talking about Kane. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm great, MJ. Good to be on with you and Rids. It feels like we're going old school, which is yeah, maybe it's... a theme that's been talked about in the week. So it's probably fitting that, that Rids and I join you. Yes. And yeah, MJ, no. don't you think Kane's our tactical sub when Mini Monk's not available that's these fair. days? So that's, that, <laughs> very that's happy fair. to fill that role. If you're happy to take the role of Harry, we can make that work all right. There is a ton of stuff we want to get through on this episode. We want to take some of our Patreon questions. Of course, if you'd love to become a Patreon supporter, all the details are in the link of this podcast description. A special shout out to Tristan, who just in the past six or seven days become a premium tier supporter. So thank you to you, Tristan, for jumping on board. We've got to talk about buys. I want to talk about trading priorities. It's an interesting point in the season. We'll set a field as an interesting interesting player. We specifically want to stop down around him. we got to talk about cash cash generation and, and the ever-evolving ways you play the game. Um, but quickly, let's look at teams. And Kane, there was some concern and plenty of rumour and innuendo always flies around on a Thursday, doesn't about. I saw a certain player at an airport. I didn't see a certain player at an airport. There was plenty of talk that Atkins wouldn't make it in. We've seen a couple of players get opportunities to debut. O'Donnell at the Bulldogs. We've seen Clark get an opportunity to play at Geelong. Arguably, though, teams were relatively kind to us this time around, except if you're a Darcy Parish owner. Yeah, well, Darcy Parrish was the one, MJ, wasn't it? And it's it's always annoying when it's a training, you know, late in the week, even if it's on the minor end, to do it on a Thursday, especially a calf, you know, it's probably a minimum two or three weeks. So mm. that's a really awkward one, especially if you've already burned all your boosts in a DT and a super coach because you're probably eyeing off one up, one down, if not two down, one up mm. with how little cash gen we have. So that's just awful timing. And I'm sure there'll be coaches that, have had many bullets this year and that's just another one because he has been just a really solid guy across all formats and you were just about to hit a really nice stretch. You know, Brisbane is a tough game at the Gabba, but it's a Darcy Parish type conditions as well. Those greasy Queensland Knights can just suit a contested player like him and and then it really opened up. So unlucky timing. Yeah. Um, again, at least you're going to have a few options. It wasn't an in-game injury, so it hasn't affected you know any of his scoring or price. But other than that, MJ, as you said, Atkins holds, mm-hmm. that's fine. But also with Weller out, it would have been a bit of a shock, wouldn't it? They really pushed Melbourne. He was good in the game against Richmond Atkins yep. um, to go over to West Coast with guys who, like, you know, Ainsworth didn't get up. Weller didn't get up. 
Flanders gets Holman dropped. didn't get up. So yeah. it, he's really, we haven't probably learned anything. We probably would have felt better if we knew Weller was going to be named and really see how that mix fits. Um, that's probably the thing with Atkins that scares me is, yes, he's going to get this week. He's on the bubble in SC and DT. What next? Mm. It does get a bit tricky. And at that price bracket, I feel like you need two or three minimum. Now, obviously, AF, he's, he's had a few price jumps. But sure. O'Donnell was a shock. Again, that's an incredible story to go from a cat B to making your debut in five weeks is outrageous. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, interesting they said that he's the Trelaw replacement because he's a bigger guy. Yeah. Um, so that'll be really fascinating. But again, you're probably just having a look on Saturday night in what should be a really, really hotly contested game against the Blues. There's a lot of a lot of feeling, I think, in that Carlton team. And obviously the Definitely. dogs are just rolling. So other than that, it's pretty quiet. And obviously this Sunday's quiet because we do have the double header on Friday. So we've got to be really careful with our loops. We've got to be really careful with what yeah, trades do we have to make before Friday because mm-hmm. um, it can get a bit messy. And especially with all the DPP we have, sometimes you're sitting on your trades to see final teams named on a Saturday only to be tripped up by a DPP that's locked or a loophole you thought you had. So nothing too much from the team's front, Um, but we'll see what tomorrow brings. And there is a few teams that, you know, will have their final sessions on a Friday. I'm talking St. Kilda with Rowan Marshall. If you're relying on an Angwin. Yeah. If you're relying on an Angwin. So, you know, a lot of those Sunday teams, Friday's that real sort of final test before. So they sort of name them up. So that's just something to be wary of, but hopefully that information drips drips through before the Richmond Cats game tomorrow night. I'm going to jump in. Parish. I just want to call this out nice and easily right now. This just shows how much of a dynamic luck plays Mm. in some of our trading, whether it's last week, whether it's this week, who, um, whether we own like Parish, okay, he would have been chosen as a unique player, yeah, probably over uh, Zach Merritt, like you know, hmm. so that just that hurts even more from that aspect. Now, what For about sure. the Setterfield discussion that you raised a minute ago? Yeah, let's have that. Yeah, yeah, like think about the luck factor there. Now Huge. we've had probably half of the population of fantasy and everywhere else, super coach and everyone either trade out of him or hold him last week. Mm-hmm. So what we've got there is, well, does that mean that he's going to go back into those CBA rotations? Does that mean he's going to play as that big bodied mid with a no parish? Like we just don't know what happens there. But if you held Setterfield this last week, oh, there's every now. chance you're going to have to hold him now. Cause I after, think you have to. After this game, as Kane just alluded to, that draw opens up like no other all the way through to the buy now. So it's almost like, wow, again, luck playing a massive part in this. Yeah, it's a huge variable. If you want to un- identify this fixture that we're alluding to, it's Brisbane um, at night. So we know that's going to be, as Kane alluded to, potentially quite a slippery, dewy, contested style game. And then the next month, it's arguably the best matchups you're going to get from an inside midfielder. It's Richmond. It's West Coast, it's North Melbourne, it's Carlton, and then it's the bye and gives you that perfect pivot to six teams through there. I, I'm with you, Rids and Kane. I think if you're a Setterfield owner, I think we said it on our round review episode that we give to our Spotify subscribers and to our Patreons. It was, if you're jumping off the Setterfield train, no problem. It was last week or you're waiting to the bye. And if you're holding now, any concern of, oh, he gave me a rubbish score, 
Like it's just gone now. You've just got to commit to it. Yeah, um, and just with Setterfield as well. He's a big tackler. He's a yeah. monster tackler. Every so chance those he goes conditions in Brisbane, he might have. 10 to 15 tackles that game. You just don't know. That's like we saw Dunkley do it last week with that monster. Like there's every chance Setterfield, and I'm not saying he's the same as Dunkley, but the thing is he builds his score around tackles. So, I mean, if he's playing that role and he's playing inside, he's in the CBA mix, obviously there's a fair chance he's going to go very well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'm, I'm really curious. A lot of people that listen to the coaches panel are certainly on the more uh, passionate end of their fantasy footy, probably on the side that take it most seriously, but are often people that play multiple formats and enjoy playing multiple formats. It's why we cover all of the formats. And, and sometimes the advice we give is more process or concepts and constructs, not just format specific, although we do break that down. But, but I'm curious, Ruth, so maybe I'll, I'll start with you on this and, and very keen to have a, a conversation with you about there are coaches like Mini Monk. Let, let's, let's talk him up for a second, Coach, our very own uh, Mini Monk for a second. Let's talk him up for a second because he's not here. He, he's had incredible success over the past couple of years across all the formats. And there is this notion, Ruth, that sometimes is you can be a great coach in one and struggle in the others because the formats all need to be played differently. How are you seeing the games evolve at the moment with the change in fantasy footy across the three main salary cap formats? So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to call out what I've, everyone in the coaches panel knows what I've been doing this year and, you know, bits and pieces. I've been doing a little bit of work in getting better equipped with AF. Mm Mm-hmm to try and see how to play all three at the same time because I've struggled with it myself, okay? Yeah, I've now really you've won Dream Team. You've been close on it there in Supercoach and AF has been the one that sometimes has eluded. So, yeah, Supercoach, I think, you know, top 100, 200 multiple or whatever times, it was yeah. last year, multiple times, whatever it is. So, But the thing is, I've never been able to great con- like grab the concept of AF because um, of – and I mean, a lot of people have discussions and there's a great pod out there right now, okay, with a guy that I've been doing a little bit of analysis with, with AF, um, and it's VAM, and it's on the traders um, right now. It's a coaching, um, I don't know, one-on-one discussion, but I guarantee you, go out and listen to it, okay? If you want to get better understand things with AF specifically, go out and have a listen to it because it's well worth listening to. But I've spent most of this year... Um, with them and analyzing AF and how to actually better understand the, and I think we called it, what did we call it? The other, the new day philosophies of AF, um, which pretty much says that I'm just old and I'm stuck in my ways pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to just call out that. Okay. Like I'm in no way an AF expert. I'm not quite, I'm just getting a better understanding around that, but I do know fantasy. I do know footy. I've been around it for years. So, but that's why I wanted to call this out. So the, there's a perfect discussion around Jack Zebel last week. And Kane, I know you're on the um, unlucky side of not being a Jack Zebel owner last week. Now, and I mean, you could probably explain it as well as anyone. Um, the thing with Zebel, like, when we come from a super coach and dream team perspective from years gone by, we would look at 
a season-long keeper, yeah? So, oh, is that guy going to maintain his role for the year? Because if he does... 100%, he's going to be absolutely viable in the top. And what do we often say, MJ, the top six defenders or the top six forwards? You've got to be around that. Um, Whereas AF, in the way that AF has come up, okay, means that the definition of keeper, season-long keepers, is now, let's say, blurred at best. Um, I don't think there is anything that actually says that it's a keeper for the season. Um, Whereas years ago, we always wanted to get the best eight mids or the best six defenders or the best six. The only line we really can do that now is in rucks because there's only two positions. But as a Jack Siebel over, okay. No, so in AF, Jack Siebel represented value. He had a role change. Amazing. Amazing, okay. And people that jumped on, when he was still representing value, is getting absolutely, you know, absolutely happy days, right? Now, the older style, and I call it the older style, tongue-in-cheek, says a Jack Zebel type, oh, no, we don't see, it's a rebuilding team, he's older, we don't know what his purpose is at the moment, he would be better served as, say, a forward in that, team or a mid in that team to help the kids through okay so then because of our ways of thinking from years ago we would go oh well potentially he doesn't keep that position so that means he's going to be a iffy season-long keeper for that position so then we go no we're gonna like pass on him but it's such a dynamic between all of the three formats it Mm. really becomes Comes a real question mark. And I mean, Kane, as a um, non owner last week, and you were highly ranked in Supercoach just as like last week, that, that's a massive hit. Yeah. Yeah. It's over probably 100 points to the, the player I had because um, it's one of those ones, as you said, Rids, when you when you pass on him at 360 after two games and, and you see the role then, and we know just two years ago he had that role and mm. he was brilliant. He was. You know, one of the one of the best premiums in the competition, wasn't he? He started like a house on fire and tape it off, but he was still a hundred guy. So, you know, when you make that call before the price changes to pass on him, um, and he keeps sort of ticking, ticking along, and again, he wasn't really hurting. It was obviously a really nice pick, um, but clearly that score last week, the absolute monster ceiling score. That's when you get the hurt. That's when the the guys that have him get the cash gen, and a lot of that risk of a role change is, is mitigated because once you see that role change, you're jumping off at a really good price and he's, he's made more cash than a lot of, a lot of cash cows. So um, um, you just have to accept that it's, a, it's worked out beautifully. Uh, you know, the flags for mine at that point was super young side, you know, the price tag is awkward, you know, historically. Now he's obviously proven through eight games that it's worth it. Um, and also the body as well. It is something that has let him down. So, um, you know, I probably felt validated the last few weeks just seeing, you know, North had lost five in a row. Um, they obviously lost their six in a row against the Saints, but that mm. was the monster score. So as Rid said, you probably make that call saying he's not going to be a season-long guy. I don't want to have to waste a trade getting him back out. Um, but clearly he's ticked the two boxes we want. He's scored a hell of a lot of points. Yep. And he's generated a lot of cash. So um, you just got to write that, write that down as one you missed and yep. move on. And I think that's something 
that also comes into it. You know, once you pass at 360, you, you know, do you want to jump on a few weeks later for 440? Yes, that might be something that clearly would have proved great because you would have copped the massive score in your favour. Um, but sometimes, like we know, the game theory is going against if there's a big you know, group of people and it went from 4% to 18% after that second game. You're saying this is a guy that's got body issues in a poor team that's going to be trying a lot of things. Maybe I don't want to go down that path. So I think mm. there's just ones where you just doesn't work out, doesn't it? And you just have to say, well, I did it for these reasons. Mm. Um, clearly and there was logic attached to those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, body, young team, all those things I said, but he has just proven it. You can't get angry at him. It's not Zeebel's fault. It's You know, <laughs> you, you pick the players or you don't pick the players. Um but clearly, as Rid said, the reason it's interesting is that is an old school price range. You would never touch a guy in that bracket with that age, with that injury history in that team. But clearly with the extra trades, a lot of that risk is mitigated with the way people build their team. They don't mind getting 30 to 60K sort of just value baked in. It does make the upgrade process a bit easier. And if you time it with, a premium that's 60, 70K down. I do get that with the increased trades, you can build your team. And and then conversely as well, you have boosts. So to actually access players like Azebel in this bracket um, is an easy fix off a mid-price. So that's probably where the game is changing. I still think the core of the game is picking the best players mm. and price is always important, but obviously the output is what determines if it's worth the price tag. So it's a, it's a fascinating mix. And I think Zebel is one of those guys that the teams that are probably at the top have him because yeah. he really has delivered on a regular basis. Yeah. To go back to your original question now, MJs, mm. how do we play all three? And I mean, this is massive kudos for guys like Mini Monk, yeah, who are absolute superstars across all three formats. But the thing is, you really need to separate all three judged by the way that you're best served to like in your team pretty much drives that conversation does it not because mm. like it depends like and i heard that awesome conversation between mini mark and kane just i think it was last week yep. um where there was two I ideals being spoken about kane was taking a more gun and rook type of strategy um, mini monk was building on value um, and then modifying it as he went through and adjusting as he went through um, and neither is the wrong way to do it it's just no. in that aspect okay someone like kane is playing the long game so let's just look at zebel for a second yeah in, sure now Come round 15, round 16, Zeeble might not even be playing as uh, that back junk role, whatever the role is at the moment. Because <laughs> um, let's let's be honest, I've there's less junk in a tip, mate, than what I saw on the it's, game last it's week. It's not pretty. It, uh, you know, Clarko said this in the press conference. We're not playing pretty football, but we're trying to stay in games. And that's yeah. what they're trying to do is stay in games. It means players hold on to the ball a bit more. So great for fantasy, terrible for the eyes. So right now, you know, 15 love Zeeble owners. But guess what? In round 16, when he becomes a forward or a mid or his body doesn't quite come up one week and they decide to rest it and give a kid a go, it might be 15 all come to Kane. <laughs> like, we yeah. just don't know where this goes, like, at that point in time. So that's why it's really team-specific 
on what best serves you. Now, someone like myself, who, because I've been playing for whatever years, 20 years, 25 years, whatever it is, and I'm more built to be that gun and rook taking the long game approach, Mm. I might be better off going with that because I'm out of my comfort zone when it comes to this new age technology, um, thought process, whatever else you want to call it, um, of being like living the moment. What what, what do we used to be about five or six years ago, MJ? What was it? YOLO, was it? Um, Don't do it. Oh, no. no. But that's what it is, though, isn't it? It's a new dynamic of that. And, I mean, after playing for so many years, the fact is you have to adapt to the game that's being played now. You can't react to what happens. And you've got to be able to then accept what's happened has happened, just like what Kane did last week as a non-Zebul owner, and go, you know what? Well done. Your pro- yeah. It's worked for you this time, but it may work for me next week. And I so- think that's an important piece there, Rids, is we're talking about, obviously, specific examples, but it's these sliding door moments across the season and across the formats that have determined so much of our, how our year has gone. If you put a month ago a Jai Menzi on the field, well, well, that's hurt you with that single-digit score. If you started a Hayden Young over a Nick Dacos, that's totally changed the outcome of your year. You started, you paid up for Oliver, which I, I don't think was a bad play across any formats. I know some AFL fantasy coaches would say it was a, not the right play. I totally disagree. I think it's an, a point of you can pay up for big premiums, you just need them to score well to make it worth your while. Or, um, or you just need them not to be Took getting injured at half time with a role change in or, the game and, and have cop in some bad luck. Yeah. Yeah, correct. And I think that's the important piece in, in this conversation to factor into the variance of luck, the variance of things that come and go, the variance of this is an interesting year. We'll talk about cows in a second, but we're eight weeks into the year and, and politely speaking, we're looking at Rory Atkins in Dream Team and Supercoach and going, we know we might only have one week of price movement. Now, you. you said Rory Atkins, MJ, so yes. I'm going to include Rory Atkins in the Zebel conversation right now. Yeah, please, How do you play all three formats? Let's have a look at Atkins. He's almost the guinea pig this week. Yeah. Dream Team. Okay, let's call out Dream Team right now. If he plays tomorrow and goes... Which he's named 346K, break-even of minus 67 in DT. So let's say he's going to play, but I'm going to say if, because we know what laid outs and everything else that happened sure. these days. If he plays tomorrow and goes okay, hits up a 70, 75, we're looking at a $100,000 increase first week. Mm-hmm. Okay, first price rise. Yep. So straight away, Dream Team, he's a no-brainer. He's 100% no-brainer because the worst-case scenario is you've already banked the map cash, you take him down to the uh, Drury, whoever, next week, and away you go. Okay? And you're talking out of a player people. like a McKenna as an, yep. as an example? Yep, exactly right, because you're freeing up the cash from that down, then you're actually banking the cash rise, then you're mm-hmm. also banking the cash that you go down. Super coach, however, it's a little bit Awkward, and Kane and I have spoken about this all week. His price is right in the state, but it's more around the scoring. He had a 68 last week in Supercoach, so that means his highest score off round 
the first round that he's had is going to drop out straight away. So if he drops a 60 tomorrow in Supercoach, you're only likely to see a 50, 60,000 price increase over a couple of week period. That might not be enough. And we're not even talking about a guy with solid job security at this point in time with all those names, you know, no Holman, no Ainsworth, no Weller. And we just don't know what's happening. I mean, even Jew spoke about Constable today being close. Mm -hmm. And I think he was referencing Fiori, whatever, the pastor man. Um, (laughs) Like, you know, I'm just hopeless with pronunciation. That's fine. I got you, buddy. But Okay. Let's take it to a new dynamic. So we've got a no-brainer, absolute in option in DT. We've got uh, probably a pass, leaning towards a pass in Supercoach at this sure. point in time. Now let's look at AF. We've got a guy who's priced at 450000 with a negative break-even who's going to make quite a bit of coin, mm-hmm. but that's only if he plays two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. So he's really borderline right now because we do have viable rookie options at a cheaper price point. Williams. Sorry, I just had that cough. So you think about Williams, okay, who's a hundred and let's just say it what it is, okay? He's a hundred thousand cheaper. He's got the same scoring potential. He's probably got better job security. So I think he's got a better buy for what you're trying to get out of him too with around 15. And that draw though, MJ, everyone's Mm -hmm. focused on Butters and Rosie right now. Go have a. They, they all play for the same it's team. The same it's the same Williams. draw. Williams is the same guy, and he scored a ninety last week. Yeah. Like so, 60 I mean, the week before. If you think you traded into Butters a week ago because of his upcoming draw, and you're not even exploring Williams right now, you're probably doing yourself a disservice a little bit. Like so, but you can see what I'm trying to say here. It's just you've got to try and diff separate the formats and come up with an approach who fits what format who fits your team because you might actually go i play all three i'm going to trade into atkins this week in dream team Hmm. i'm going to pass on him in super coach and i'll probably end up going a drury um you know early in super coach but he's at that lower price point of the, you know, he's a base. Yeah, he's 102 rookie. in Supercoach, yeah. So he's just makes a lot more sense there. Um, but AF is the one that really interests me. Like, I don't know which way this goes. Like, it's a toss of the coin because, and it's not a toss of the coin for me. It's going to come back to the luck factor. If you trade into him and he gets dropped next week, mm. you're in trouble. Well, you need a parachute for it, don't you? You need a parachute plan. If you here. don't trade into him, and he plays two or three rounds, he's going to make enough and score enough to justify trading into him in AF. Correct. So this is where it, that luck And the factor. matchup, Rids, that's the other thing, though. You're staring at a West Coast matchup at Optus with all the space in the world mm-hmm. in a game they should win with a game plan that on recent form looks to be very mark heavy. In the back line, yeah. That's what, that's what I think gives you the appeal, you know, just to go... Gee, as you said, if if they win, which they should, mm-hmm. it's a pretty conducive role for points. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, though. If I mm-hmm. said to you, Kane, let's just, let's think about that for a sec as well. If I said to you, he scored a hundred this week and got dropped because of well, all that's those. My next point. I would teams. not be shocked. Well, that's it's... the thing. The Weller thing is what probably gives you a little bit of confidence. If he's got some soreness in that knee, 
And that was an incredible return to come back so quickly off oh, his ACL. That was incredible. Career and scores he, and, too. And he has been sensational. But that does give you a bit of concern. Mm. If, if Rory does his job, Suns win. And in the last three weeks, four weeks, they have been really, really good as a team. Yep. Maybe he does hold it down. And that's Rid's exact point. You know, the parachute's a lot cheaper in AF than it is in Supercoach. And that's the thing I think you've got to weigh up is you really need instant reward, mm. one, to get points this week and a quick bit of cash because that could be the only price rise you get. Yeah, so I while. want to come back to AF and Atkins in a second and Drury. I think there's a lot of people that are looking at the combinations of if they're not getting upgrades, Rids, they're looking at the likes of Drury, they're looking at Atkins, they're looking at Worms. So I want to come back to that in a second, but... Kane, let, let's come into Supercoach in a moment, and there'll be some parallels in Dream Team in this conversation, but the price point is certainly different. You've got the likes of a Weddle who is sitting there. The narrative is we should see multiple games throughout the year from him, but Hawthorne have already shown us multiple times this year. Mackenzie's an example. Happy to give kids a couple of weeks, rest for a week. couple of weeks, rest for the week. So that's the pattern there. Rids has already alluded to a jury of the capacity that coaches could go early. So you've got these guys in Supercoach and it's comparable in Dream Team. 130s, 102,000. And then you're going up 100K to the Constable. Uh, not to the Constable, sorry, to the Atkins type. And this becomes the dilemma too in, in Supercoach, maybe more so than, than Dream Team, and even though it's there, is, yeah, I might generate 100K more, but I might be able to do that by not spending as much in my initial investment and being able to capitalize on a lower score break even. Talk coaches through that philosophy. It's like, yeah, he's got the scoring over them, but oh, I might be able to well, lose money. Well, that's exactly it, MJ. I think that's the exact thing is, again, and take Atkins out of it. That's the hard thing with these price brackets because on Atkins, I'd probably prefer a Sam Simpson in a different line in a similar sort of price range purely because the way things are falling, the job security's, you know, gone through the roof in recent time. But yep. if we stay with an Atkins, say, via Weddle, you know, it, it is 70K different. So clearly off the bat, by making that downgrade, say it's a Connor, Connor McKenna, yep. there's an extra 70 grand to make an upgrade. And upgrades have been a real challenge this year. And we're getting yes. to that point where are you staying in the low 500s with a guy you don't mind? Are you trying to get to someone that you feel really good with? Are you skimping even more, more and shopping in the 460, 470 range in Supercoach, which can have great upside if you get it right, but it doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence? Clearly, the hard thing with Weddle is you don't feel great on the field. You, you feel mm. like it's probably a 40-50. Um, the thing I like in his favour is the pedigree. Yeah. Pick 18 in this Sam Mitchell system, first year, has earned a spot, really athletic player, can do a bunch of different things. Seems to have gone straight past Denver Granger Barras, who we know there's already some, you know, trade rumors circling about a fresh start for him. So that's yeah. really, really encouraging. Um, and the thing I do like really is just accessing that extra cash. You know, it's so much easier for Josh Weddle to generate a hundred K. He just has to really go fifties. And I, and I look at Atkins on the flip side, MJ. It is really tough. He, he needs to be 75 near on 80 to get that same 100K. Yeah. And you don't have 100K up your sleeve to pull the trigger on. Now, in time, you would recoup that 100K when you finally move Atkins out. Mm. 
But for for just say a, a month, five weeks, that hundred k that you've spent extra has to be seen on the field, and I think that's yeah. where immediately and again, in my opinion, Weddell's got better job security. Mm-hmm. He's in, at least in a side like you said that's sort of rotating. 30 players through this 22 <laughs> to 23 each week, which in Supercoach is not the worst thing because really there's one buy you shouldn't need him for, which is clearly the second buy, Geelong mm-hmm. and Gold Coast. Round 13. And he, he misses his with his own buy. Mm-hmm. But then you're only really managing two buys. And if he does get a rest in there, it's just not a massive deal. Yeah. Whereas, you know, an Atkins, if he's out of the team next week, and you've gone down from a McKenna, a really safe on-field guy that's there for you each week. And that's what Riz always talks about. You ideally want to be taking the guy that's on your bench down mm. and go up with the guy that's on the field. Because it gets really dicey when you start taking McKenna's, Ashcroft's, Chandler's off the field and take one of those guys up, one of those guys down. You start looking at a Chandler and a McKenna, and that, that's been giving you 160 points a week. Yeah. If you if you, if that if that's replaced with a Weddle, and that's fifty points, well, you need to pre even go worse, big. and that's zero. You need yeah. your primo to go big. So that's the fascinating thing that's, I think, tricky for coaches, and and actually probably why Atkins is an option. Yes, yeah. people probably want a Weddle, and they want to save jewelry for next week to get their maximum um, downgrades. Mm. But they go, I can take McKenna down to Atkins. That's a hundred k. Give Atkins three or four weeks. He makes another hundred hundred and fifty k. I get the logic. The clear big risk, though, is exposing a Weddle, you know, these guys that you really don't want on the field yeah, that's right. to the field when Atkins gets dropped the following week and you might only have 30K extra to show for it. So that's the hard thing. And, and I typically just default to the cheaper guy if they're similar because it is so much easier for that cheaper guy to generate cash. It might just take a 75. And as a key defender or a medium defender, yeah. A few spoils, an intercept mark, you know, the game flows the right way, they can pop. Whereas an Atkins, he's barely getting anything contested. He can't waste the pill once, or that no. DT score is going to be outshone in the Supercoach score. Mm. So that's where Rids is spot on with the difference in the formats. Yeah, it's good. Supercoach is not Atkins' game. No. Um, especially with the way they're playing. It just doesn't give him maximum bang for buck. No, it's good. So, Riz, we we alluded to these three sort of downgrade people that we're looking at. Now, not everyone's maybe looking to do a, a double downgrade move in AFL fantasy, but we do have these guys at the moment available to us. Williams, who we've talked about, I think he's one of the best buys in AFL fantasy this week, both in fixture, in what he does in your forward lines, um, and knowing that he'll pick up DPP in just a couple of weeks' time. Um Atkins, we've already spent a bit of time on. And then you've got a Drury. So there is this tension for coaches in AFL Fantasy this week. Do I double down? Do I do these double sideways maneuvers and restart cash, alluding to the guys like Jinby, Van Royen, Green that we could move on? And for basically not making any cash in our bank, we will make cash through what these guys will give us this week. Or do we look at a Drury? who should still be quite attainable next week around that 250K, much like Angwin was after two games, and get these guys now? Or is it much more, like you alluded to, nah, bang for your buck, go all the way down, get that points working for you on the field, get those big upgrades? Which is the way you'd be looking at now that you've been processing AFL Fantasy over the past two months? What, what's your take for coaches there? 
So it's an interesting one this week, okay, because the people keep referring. And again, I just talked about old time yeah. thought processes and everything else. This double downgrade, okay, really comes from the old days where we didn't have boosts, we didn't have anything. So what we used to do was we'd free up the cash the week before, and then we'd do the big upgrade the week after. Yeah. So, and that's where the double downgrade started. You know, AF has sort of transformed that a little bit. Yeah. But I sort of say to people, rightio, let's, let's look at rookies. Rookies are there for two reasons. A, at the start of the year, we are going to need solid rookie scoring to try and boost our team scores up week to week. Okay. Sure. And that's why the guys like an Ashcroft, like a Sheasel, although he's Chandler. probably a bad example at this point because he's running as a premium. Um, a <laughs> Chandler, Chandler you know, a peddler. Yeah. These guys well, my- have been worth their weight in gold. Okay. Yeah. But what they do, though, is they're also building that cash up. And what happens is you're building your cash up in your team. And then suddenly what happens is you can downgrade to the next option and then you can use that money to apply and, you know, get better. You're better your team on field. Now, we shouldn't be using that thought process around double downgrading this week because the thing is people are looking at a Fergus Green to be moved off. He's Mm. not scoring points on field and he's not going to better your on-field scoring. Now, he might be on your field, but guess what? He shouldn't be at this point in time. Mm. Second point about this is his cash generations now stalled with that score last week in AF anyway. So it's not a double downgrade, is it? Like if you're going to a guy who's not even playing this week to a new rook that is playing, you're just doing it for a cash gen grab. Mm. Now, that's all it is, is trying to build your team value up even further so we can actually hit the buys and start doing it. Someone like a Williams, MJ, is the interested one. Mm. He has an amazing draw, as I've already mentioned earlier. Mm. He's got great scoring potential right now, and he's got a fantasy-friendly role. He's playing that junky halfback distributor role that we all love in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, he even went 90s last week. So again, I'm not going to call that a downgrade because the potential is here that you're going from a guy on a rook on your bench or whoever it is at this point in time to a Williams, let's say a Fergus Green to a Williams. You're freeing up a little bit of cash out of that, or you might even be, you know, it might not be much in it anymore. But the thing is, though, you're adding scoring potential to an on-field rook, and you might actually be increasing your scoring potential for your team, especially with that friendly matchup against North Melbourne this week. Yeah. Like, sometimes we focus so much on the premiums or the mid prices and the upcoming draw that we forget to actually go, you know what, that also benefits our rookies. Like, yeah, And I mean, I know there's always exceptions to the rule and everything else, but someone like a Williams, he has to be at least explored, yeah? Oh, yeah. Like, And I mean, I know people will say he's too pricey, but in comparison to what? So my question now is... If you've got two rookies on off your field right now as we're mm-hmm. just about to enter the buys and you're going to move them, let's just say it's a Chesser 
and let's just say it's a green at this point in time because I know they're common names that are sure. in a lot of teams right now. Let's say a Roberts. Mm-hmm. Why would Roberts, who's injured long-term with a round 12 buy anyways to a Drury be a downgrade or even be considered as a downgrade? It's not. It's actually an upgrade because the guy's playing – He's got around 15 buy. It betters your buy structure. It gives him more opportunities to play and make money because mm-hmm. that's the sole purpose of the rookie, yeah? Yep. Like, of course, you can't get banged for buck in that, I think, the term these days. And forgive me, I'm getting old, okay? So it's hard <laughs> for me to keep up with you trendy young folks. But the sugar hit, okay? Mm. We used to say we'd want the instant reward for the trade or whatever else back in the 1900s, like when I was born. (laughs) But it's now the sugar hit because you want to get that instant reward if you trade into someone, whether it's that cash, whether it's the points, whatever it is. So that's why I'm sort of highlighting here. It shouldn't be seen as a double downgrade. Like if you're trading into Atkins this week, MJ, you're doing Mm. so – to improve your points on field, yeah? That's the hope, yes. Yeah. I wouldn't be regarding Atkins as a rookie at this point in time. I'd be saying he's probably a low-priced mid-pricer because he's been around for years. He's mature age. Like His price point is around that mid-price, but it's not really like a Setterfield mid-price range. It's probably a lower end. That's why we're getting really, really, really iffy at times with some of these conversations because mm. we're not considering Williams is a hundred thousand less than Atkins. No. So that's why it's becoming a real weird conversation at this point in time. And, and I know that a lot of people listen to us. Um, they've probably seen me floating around on Twitter streams <laughs> and everything else for AF to get a bit more knowledge. I've been talking to past winners of AF and I, I often chat and I won't mention names, but sure. they'll know who I'm talking about. I often chat in Twitter and everything else, DMs and stuff with people. I've been talking, you know, I mentioned that pod today, mm. like fam, I've been doing um, analysis on AF with them. Like, and he was in that pod with Warney earlier on today or yesterday or whenever it was. And he was talking about he had an absence and he's coming back. Like, it's been awesome, yeah, just to have that sort of exposure. And that's why it's sort of, like, interesting to work it out. There's no right or wrong with this. Sometimes we get lucky in AF or in any fantasy game where it just all aligns to us. Like in Supercoach this week, MJ, I'm lucky enough. Yeah, it takes... It's taken a bit of planning to do so, but I can actually do one downgrade, one upgrade, and I can trade into a Noah Anderson this week Lovely. at the expense of, you know, Brett Daniels. Like, I mm. mean, that's how lucky things can actually be at times. You know, I can trade out of a green into a Drury and then move a Daniels into an Anderson if I can. Mm. Like, and I mean, I know there's people listening to that that have often been able to, we're fallen into luck. How many times have we tried to downgrade or upgrade to someone and we're $100 or $200 <laughs> short? How many times have we done that? And That's it's crazy in me. AF, yeah? 
it seems to happen every second week. Like, mm-hmm. oh, why can't we do this option? And, but sometimes we luck in and it ends up being $0 at the end of that trade. And we go, you beauty, that's a sign from the DT gods that <laughs> we're in luck this week. But, you know, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So we want to hit some Patreon questions in a moment, but there's two things I want to make sure we just quickly cover off. Um, we want to touch base on the buys. Round 12 is fast approaching. There are four teams that we want to look at and, and want to get some probably more broad advice, but talking about should we consider trading into them in a moment from you, Ritz. But Kane, I want to talk about trade priorities because while not everybody's in a place of considering two downgrades they might be looking a boost in dream team and super coach and doing it they are looking at these guys that are pushing towards their buy round pushing towards their potential capped out price and they're stuck in that process of who do i tap out and i want to pose two names to you same team same buy round to try to help people through that process ashcroft and mckenna um both you could arguably say have done their job and you could probably look at moving them on. Equally, you could say, I, I'm going to run you both to your buy or do something there. So talk coaches through how they should be approaching their priorities of moving off certain players to actually make sure they're making the right choices for their unique team. Yeah, it's a really tough one, MJ, because even just starting it this week, both these guys have really good numbers at the Gabba. And they're mm. at the Gabba the next two weeks, Eston and Gold Coast. And it only takes one score, particularly in, in DT and Supercoach, where it's the three-round rolling to really reset that. And, and like you said, there's still three games for those teams before the buy. So that's three chances to have a full reset of the price structure. And, um, you know, both of those guys had poor scores um, last weekend against the Blues, which can be a tricky matchup despite um, the Lions winning. But I think the hard thing, MJ, is... What are you doing on the other side? What are you getting to? What what does it cost you on field? If you're going McKenna up, Ashcroft up, so McKenna up, Ashcroft down, or vice versa, okay, Primo in, Cow in, those guys have been performing really well. If that cow has poor job security, if it's just a downgrade to force the upgrade, I don't think it's worth it. I think these are guys that we know have rock-solid job security. They play in one of the best teams in the comp. Mm. To move them on, if it's not a cow that you want to play on field or it's not enabling someone on the bench that you feel really, really comfortable with, and let's be honest, MJ, there's not many teams that feel comfortable with their bench. We're just happy no. if they're named, let alone saying, go out on the field and give me 50, 60, 70 points. There's mm. really not many guys because the guys that do that and have proven that are at the price tag we want to tap into it to allow the upgrade. So you That's think right. of your Ollie Hollands. You feel like he's going to give you a 60 each week. He's just been great. But we want to start harnessing that cash, don't we, and putting it on other players' heads. And, um, you know, you start looking at the Matty Roberts we've been stuck with, the Constables. That's that's soaking up a few spots. We know a lot of people just have a Nick Madden. They don't have a Samson Ryan or a Radagalia there that's been Mm. a cash generator. So it gets really, really tough. So that would be my main thing is it's fun to upgrade. We know that's the most exciting part of the game. But, again... McKenna and, and Ashcroft, they're giving you 140 points a week, more or less. Sometimes mm. even a little bit more, depending on the matchup. Sometimes yeah. it's even, you know, 180. So if you're really forcing that downgrade and putting a guy on the field that has poor job security, might be spitting out 
more often 30s and 40s. And that even might be a guy like a Davy that you might have to bring a Davy onto the field. Yeah. He's just not really giving you those consistent scores. So the upgrade that you may get of a 100, 110 player, really, it's not really doing it for you. You'd be better off just being patient with the bench, mm. maybe fixing the bench if you need to to get some of that cash gen in. Um, because it does take time with the cash gen. That's the hard thing in Supercoach <laughs> and DT is you don't just need three games. You need five, six, seven to really get it to a point where you can cash in. It's true. So I know it's exciting. So my advice really, MJ, to cut a long story short is it might not be worth the upgrade if you're forcing it. If you don't trust the cow coming in, that's good. don't be sacrificing two guys on the field that are rock solid job security have shown scoring power Mm. just because you want to have another premium in your team. It it just might not be worth it. And especially when they play the first buy, it's going to be pretty easy for everyone to get through that first buy. So think Mm -hmm. about what they're going to do for you in round 13, 14, 15. And again, I know being patient is painful for a lot of people, (laughs) but in the long run, if you forced that and you got to a premium and, you know, you got that premium and then all of a sudden you're burning a hole in that midfield or that back line or that other line that you've had to sacrifice. Yeah. It can just get really, really ugly. And it's amazing how, and I, I just have a feeling with Ashcroft in particular, he's going to be going for a lot of coaches. It was a poor score last week. Sure. He bounces back, drops that ton, beats the premium that you trade in. <laughs> oh, my god! And you start going, geez, I, I really forced that rookie in. I didn't really want him but I wanted the upgrade and we've just seen that story before. And it is crazy to think, but we're eight rounds in. Mm. We're eight in. It feels like we've been playing forever. I don't know about you guys, but there's 24 rounds now, MJ. Yeah. We know how tough it gets in the back end. Yes, we've got some cows potentially on the way with the mid-season draft, but that's usually three or four at best. Yeah, and then there's Wardlord. We'll get Sardis. We'll get we'll get yeah, another Yeah, but hand. they're at a price tag, MJ, that's... At not the exactly top giving you much of a not giving you much cash. You you're having to spend money for some of these guys from yeah, some correct. of the cows we have. So I just think I know it's a boring answer. I know upgrading's fun, but especially with these guys that have shown scoring power and mm. still have cash to make with a good score, I just wouldn't be pushing the issue just for the sake of, to use a phrase, upgrade cadence. I just no. wouldn't be doing it because you think you have to. Sometimes you just got to sit there and say, no, I just need to let the bench you know, stew a bit longer, create a bit more cash, let that other premium maybe drop. Yep. And just be a little bit patient because it does feel like it's a year where every bit of money is going to be really, really important. And we're still at the stage where we do need the bench to be contributing, if not cash generation, at least 40s, 50s that can provide us cover. Yeah, that's a really good comment. Remember, third of the way through the season so far. So plenty of fantasy footy left to go. We want to get to the Patreon questions, but Rids uh, alluded to it before. Round 12 is fast approaching. A really critical juncture for two reasons. One, a new set of DPPs will hit the game. We'll talk about them more over the next couple of weeks. There's some very um, tantalizingly good prospects we might get. But Brisbane, Sydney, Fremantle and St Kilda all missed that week. It's dangerous to give generic advice without seeing the 30 variables, how many trades have been used, boosts if they play a format with it, cash in the bank, all that stuff. But is it worth trading into any of these guys, Ritz, a couple of weeks out from their buy? It is, but you got to be careful because every team's unique, okay? So if I've got 
because there's four teams that are missing round 12, okay, mm-hmm. on the bye, and then you've got two teams for round 13, which means pretty much round 13, everyone's going to have enough. We're gonna, we should Absolutely. all be having 22 players on field pretty much for round 13, no matter what. Agreed. Now, if you've got 22 for round 12, that might mean you're very viable to trade into a Mills or a Brayshaw or whoever Sinclair, it is. Or whoever, yeah. whoever it is, okay? So that's why every team's got to be unique. But like someone with an Ashcroft, and I'm just going to just go back to what Kane said because it's Please. a very, very important point. Don't look at it as just round 12. We're talking about Ashcroft, we're talking about McKenna, we're talking about whoever it is, okay, they're some of the best job security rooks out there. Yeah. So Ashcroft, after a week off, I pretty much, unless he gets injured, he's going to be playing round 13, round 14, round 15. Yeah. Like, same with McKenna. Like, he's going to play those three rounds. So if you've got, and it's only best 18, um, across the formats on those buy rounds. So if you've got 22, 21, 20 playing for round 12, I wouldn't be training out of those guys like because they're going to bake a nice little nucleus of your best 18 entering the later buy rounds. Now, that's just my point on that because I think it's really it's important for people to really understand that. Whereas Ashcroft... And McKenna, like if you're trading into someone like let's just say Ashcroft to Mills, and let's just use sure. AF for now. Okay? Yeah, holding the buy structure. Holding yep. the buy structure. That is valid, yeah. It's mm-hmm. always been valid. But what does that leave you for the next two rounds? So don't count the numbers as a whole. Actually go in and put a line through some of your dead rooks because we all know our benches right now are looking pretty thin. Mm. Like we've got a few red dots building up on there. So put a line through those names and only really include it because you may be surprised. You might only have 14, 15 premiums mm-hmm. in one of those rounds and you might actually have rooks that you're counting as a Roberts, as a Sheldrick, as a Johnson, as Mm. whoever it is, you know, you've just got to be very careful about this with your buys. But trading into a Brayshaw, trading into a Mills, trading to one of those guys is team-specific. Yeah, some really good advice. All right, we've got a couple of minutes left to go before we got to wrap up this episode. I'll fire these Patreon questions to you both. Give us your best thoughts on them. Of course... Want to join the Patreon community, support the coaches panel, get extra podcasts, hidden access to community groups, uh, connections to the podcast, and a bunch of other content rewards. All the details are in the description of this podcast. Super coach question for you, Rids. Uh, no, we'll throw it to you, Kane, actually. Causa B7 says, What's the best way to climb the ranks through the buys in Supercoach with cash generation being challenging this year? Well, it really depends on your risk appetite, MJ, but we do know that that can be the buy rounds where you might take a premium that's maybe at the top of their price. Maybe they've had a really good run of form and they're, you know, priced above what you think they're going to average going forward. And especially if it's back-ended and it's around 14 or 15, you can actually just trade them because what you see in the buy rounds is people go, I need to get numbers on field. I'm going to trade Charlie Constable who hasn't played. He's 123K. I'm going to trade him to the rookie that's playing. Mm. And I think, why? 
why wow, you might trade him into someone that's going to score you a 30. If you're going to do it, go crazy. Move Paddy Cripps yeah. to someone that's actually off their buy, has a good matchup, is going to be comfortable going forward and, and get 100 points out of it. Because really, once you get to the buys, that player, that, that cow you traded Constable to, you're not going to have any trades to trade them out. So it's not like you're trying to harness their cash. You might as well just swing for the fences. So that's what you see people do. Yep. It's a gauntlet. It can come and <laughs> bite you really hard in those last four or five rounds. Very much so. But it is a strategy that can, one, give you 100K, which is way more than you'd get from the constable sideways to another cow. But sometimes you can get the timing right and get that guy that is the 115, 120 guy post buy. Yeah. And your premium might have been the guy that was 120 up to the buy and we see them go at 100 and it's still a really good year. But those are the moves that people do because they just think I'm getting points this week. Yeah. I'm getting more cash out of it and I'm not going to need that bench anyway. If I'm using the bench, I'm in massive trouble. It means my premium's injured on the field. So that is something that will come up a lot. Yeah. And that is why if you do want to take a risk with a mid-pricer, we always say pick them in the later later buy rounds. Pick those around 14, 15 guys because if it blows up, at least you it's can just sideways them to someone else. So that yeah. would be my main advice. It's not for everyone. It is risky, mm-hmm. but it is effective if you get it right. It's very yeah. effective. It's and good. I'll tell you what, MJ, um, yes. we've spoken about it a couple of times. It's been referenced, but doing a broad bent um, yeah. through the mm-hmm. buys from yeah. someone with the – it's all you're doing there is playing the break-even game. Yeah, all you're doing break is even. You're trying to bank 100000 go into someone who could potentially make that 100000 back – whilst scoring points who's had their buy and everything else, that's that's a play in this yep. situation. Yeah, 100%. certainly is. Uh, Cause has also got a second question in AFL Fantasy. I'll throw it to you, Rids. Uh, he's looking at these two trades, Ashcroft to Mills or Warple up to Dawson. He's very keen on owning Jordan because he's currently owned by 52% of the comp. He needs to climb from his current rankings point of 7.7K. I'd like to flip his question. Is trading into Dawson going to help boost his rank? No, it won't. Because Mm. pretty much most of the highest ranked players, like players in the game, have already got Dawson. Correct. So what rank is he, sorry? 7.7,000. So... All it's doing, trading into Dawson is more of a defensive move where you're gaining parity on a unique head-to-head matchup that was never going to fall your way. Mm -hmm. You're just getting parity on that head-to-head, and then you're trying to build a unique head-to-head that's going to favor you at a later date. So that's why. Um, The problem is, though, you might be better off and I mean, Vam was, I was talking to Vam earlier today about this sort of scenario. This is funny that's come up now. You might be better off taking two unique mid price options instead of the higher price point of a Dawson. Sure. But both are valid, um, but do understand that you're taking Dawson to gain parity on the head to head. You're not actually doing anything, you're trying to eliminate a unique matchup. That was favouring the other people. Yeah, no, that's some really good advice. Uh, AFL fantasy question for you, uh, Kane. It's from Josh. He somehow find a way to be ranked 700 in AFL fantasy, but he's had Peter Laddams rucking for him this year. So well done, Josh, on pulling that. He's like, safe to say it's time up. Uh, What's your opinion? Do I just go all the way up to an English 
or am I saving some money and getting a Gorn? Won't be able to utilize the cash saved this week, but will make next week easier. He's currently leaning to Gorn, but doesn't seem like anything's getting in the way of Tim English at the moment. What's your take? I would be Gorn there, MJ. I just think mm. in that format with the with the zero, you know, in that in that um, pricing at the moment, yeah. it's a guy that is clearly underpriced. And yeah. He looks really, really good. I know they're working in tandem and and sometimes, as we say, with these easier matchups. Now, Hawthorne did push Melbourne all the way last year when Melbourne sure. was in actually really good form. So anything's possible. But I do feel like Gorn, if the worst case is he sits more forward in these in these wins, it's more likely to get that forward status. And I just feel like Melbourne know that he's still the guy. As much yeah. as they want to win with Grundy and Gorn in there, if push comes to shove, it will be Gorn. So... Yep. I think in his position, as Riz said before, sometimes you need to do need to get the parity and just mm. cancel out that thing that's hurting you each week. Yep. Um, but for mine, gone at that price. I know you can't harness the dollars this week, um, but as we say, it, it always makes next week easier having cash. It's well, I'll tell you hard, what. So. 200k difference and DPP likely coming in three weeks' time. So and not just that, that, it's the buy as well, MJ. Yeah, round 14. He's mm. got a round 14 buy, like which is going to be very, very important come round 15. So if you're able to find a way to get English in, let's just say Gorn gets that DPP at round 12, you're able to throw Gorn forward and find a way to get English into your team before the buys hit, you've actually Mm. got two rucks playing all the buys potentially. Yeah, that that could be a really big win. I loved that thought from both of you boys. Uh, let's throw Wayno. We'll keep moving through because we do have a hard deadline. We've got to wrap up our podcast time. Wayno's got an AFL fantasy question for you, Ritz. Is it time to trade out Sarong? Uh, he's got a higher break even. Brayshaw's flying. He's got a bunch of other questions there about what he could do around it rather than break into those specifically. Sarong out or is it just one bad game? No, well, see, this is where it gets interesting, MJ. And this is, I only just mentioned it a minute ago. And I know there's a hard deadline. And I do apologize because Kane's hair's looking super tonight, ready for the date. <laughs> see the other half, that's where he's going. Uh, if you told me at the start of the year you could trade Sarong to Mills and bank 100000 out of it, you'd yeah. be crazy not to even explore that. Yeah. Sure. Especially if cash gen was so limited. Challenging. Like, so, I mean, it is a viable option, yeah. It's just who you're trading into um, and what can you do. If you do go to a Mills in that instance where Sarong goes to a Mills and you free up 100000 what does that 100000 do to you on the second trade? Yeah. So that's the sort of discovery. One thing I will say with Sarong, mm. awesome pick, but now that Brayshaw's hitting form, it's going to prove to be very problematic because – Owning Sarong and trading into Brayshaw, I'm not sure how you could do that. I'm not sure yeah. how you could potentially trade out of Sarong because he's been such a great pick. Mm-hmm. It's going to feel awkward anyways. Yeah. So you're just going to have to feel your gut feel on it, how your team is, and what you can do with the second trade if you do get exploratory. Yeah, it's good. I he's think that's spot on because there. that's the issue. That's the issue, isn't it, MJ? And we see that with these guys that start hot for various reasons. Sometimes Correct. they're just on. Sometimes you know they score at the right time in a super coach, yep. which Sarong did a lot. Uh, but as Ridge said, it's hard to have multiple, mm. um, and especially when it's a team that's not great. Typically, the teams that can sustain multiple mids 
are the top top tier guys that score yeah, a lot of points and they get all those all those great things. So it has been a great pick, but this is when it does get awkward, and that is maybe the advantage of an AF or the more trades we have. Yeah. How long do you ride this for? Because that is the hard thing with the Sarong. He was the first buy. It's very yeah. hard to move him. You really want to hold him all the way through the buys, and sometimes by then, all that great work he did in the start of the season, all that it cash he generated, it's eroded. So that's mm. where, again, that's always the risk with those guys on the first buy in particular is the parachute plan gets really awkward because you're jettisoning off to someone that either has the same buy as him or has a buy to come. Whereas, yep. you know, clearly with someone in around 14, 15, or even the 13, which isn't an issue, you just clear the buyers altogether. And we know how important of a strategy that is to maximizing points and, and as a result, maximizing rank. Yep, it's good. All right, we'll fly through these final four questions. It's in Supercoach. Peter Bull's got a question for you, Kane. He's currently ranked 1,200, and he's thinking of bringing in Noah Anderson. Is there something wrong with my thinking? Here's his five points. He's averaged 110 after the buys last year. A 110 average would currently make him a top 10 mid, excluding the current DPPs. He's currently fourth, um, so fourth, so definitely in that contention. He has a possible bump against West Coast this week, and he's a vice captaincy option. His buy could mean when others are playing a donut or a rookie, I could gain 60 to 110-plus points through some tough buys and max-ups. And even if he does go off, he'll be out of reach for other coaches trying to keep him as a point of difference. Is he dreaming? No, no, it's definitely not. I am lucky that I get to watch a lot of football in my profession, which helps yes. a lot. And um, this guy, I just can't be more impressed with the balance in his game. I think that's something, you know, MJ, we talk about a lot in our keeper stuff. Yep. Um, he's, he has gone to another level. Like the influence is just outrageous now. I, I know to out and a lot of people are aligning that sure. to the spike. And, I do, and, that, and numbers-wise, you cannot argue with that. But how many times, I think we said it a few weeks ago anyways, sometimes these guys, you go, the start was just weird. For whatever reason, the team's trying to sync up for a new year. And then we sit back in the year and go, wow, Noah Anderson went at 115. And you know what? If you take those first three weeks out, he was actually a 120 guy. And we're in the off-season saying, this guy's value is a premium. He's a starter, yeah. That's right. Pedigree, not to get into our cave charts, pedigree. Tick. Tick, 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 tick. Look at the consistency, how many mm-hmm. games he's played already in his career. Huge. Like, unlike poor Matty Rout, he hasn't Great missed a game, really. He's Great only durability. missed a handful. And that's just so important to settling into the system. Um, and he's got the mix. He's really smart. His running patterns, I would love to just – I haven't had the pleasure of just watching a game as a fan in the stands for Gold Coast. Mm. But his ability to find space between – the boundary and the center square. He gets in these almost half areas and the Suns use him and just link up and he just creates. So it's very Oliver-esque. Yeah. Yeah. I can't be more um, impressed with what he's done. And and I think you're getting the bite. Now, clearly it's a massive bite off. You are paying a lot. Yep. But but I do think it is warranted. If you can afford that, he's going to help you so much in those three buy rounds where he is available. Yep. And, we really just think this is a natural progression for him, isn't it? He, he was going to be the guy and he's got the game now where Tuke does seem to get the attention. Now, there might be something I did see. Adam Simpson came out today and said he might get some attention. Jimby might run with him, yeah. Yeah, but the way he moves and covers the ground and, he, again, he's got that mix, marks, kicks, tackles, tackles all goals. those things. And, and now, and that's the thing, MJ, now there's goals. Now he's mm. getting it to those guys. 
um, in the forward line. And there's a bit more synergy there for the Suns. And it's no surprise the Suns are playing better footy. Mm. And his scoring, especially in the Supercoach format that we're chatting about, has risen. So I couldn't be more impressed. And I, there is no way I'm talking anyone no. out of it because I, I get the correlation with Took for a lot of people. Sure. Uh, but as but as he said, in one week, this guy's going to be 650. And if it is real, yeah, my goodness. see you You're later for a lot it. of other coaches. No, you're just not. No, so, yeah, it couldn't be more of a tick for me. All right, Jared's got a dream team question for you, Rids. What's your thoughts on Callum Mills? The role, the volatility, but the value. Callum Mills scares me, MJ. <laughs> oh, man, does he? And it's not because so of Callum Mills. Mm, yeah. And teams today, that is one team bit of news that people haven't caught up on. Tom McCartan experienced some headaches this week and will be out. That was the thing I felt like as a community were like, yes, this back line, you know, after just getting savaged with you no know, rampy, the McCartan brothers both getting knocked out against Paul, it was like, well, what's horse meant to do? Like he's got to put someone down back and Mills yeah. is Mr. Fix-It. So sorry, Riz, but I just feel like that is yeah. just a massive bit of news. It's a good catch. Mills. And it is a good me- – it is um, because really it's an under-pressure John Longmire. This mm. is the first time for a while we've, we have a under pressure, John Longmire. Now, last year when they were going good, he used Mills as that defender, like to make sure they won certain yeah. games to extend into the finals. This year he's under pressure. So he's definitely opening that hatch when he needs to. Like mm. if you're going into the last quarter and you're three goals up and suddenly the opposition gets a run on, early in that last quarter, that could be instant. Yep, Mr. Mills, go back straight yeah. now and do not leave from back until we win that game of football so I can actually win a game of football and take a bit of pressure off everyone. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm fearful. Yep, uh, I think that's fair. I suppose the, the optimist part goes, man, more back line, pushing towards the buys. Now, he's going to need a lot of of defensive time over the next three weeks to pick up DPP, but that's the other upside potential. And MJ, he come. is the guy that can turn it on in a week. Yes. Like, there were signs there last week. Now, the, Mills has always been good at finding the space for the marks, and we always speak about he doesn't actually get that much of the footy. It's just it's always – he always wins it with a tackle or he wins it with a mark. So Yeah, correct. There was something there last week for sure. The price in Supercoach is – Affords you to wait a week. Now, Frio yeah. is a funny matchup. Sometimes it's a lot of points given up. Sometimes they yeah. hold the footy. There has been some natural development of Gould and Rowbottom and Warner that eats into that. But this is a guy that at the drop of a hat, next month could be 150 and there could be a 200 in there. He has that. He's ability. got that in his wheelhouse. So, sure. MJ, I'm going to throw this back at you for one second. Please. Now, let's, let's remove the defensive discussion out of it. Sure. If Andy Brayshaw starts to get off the chain this week, Mm-hmm. What does Horse do? He's going to go talk to Mr. Mills again, who's become Mr. Fixit for Sydney, yeah. and He's go, the Jimmy hey, Bartell, isn't he? can you yeah. go sit on Brayshaw for a couple of minutes to try and quieten him down? Now, it could be a robot in that instance. For sure. It could be someone else. But if I'm John Longmire, I'm going to Mr. Mills to do that. Yep, I think that's good. He'll eventually get to a price point where there will be no risk. 
and it will only be upside. Um, th th that will come. The question is when that will come is there. Last two questions. I'll answer one because it's a really easy one. I'll take the low-hanging fruit. Bandicoot wants to know, is Constable ever likely to play again this year? The answer is yeah. He was close this week based on Stewie's use. So Bandicoot, yeah, he's a chance. When that is, don't know. Last one, we'll throw it to you, Kane. Guy has a super coach question. Thoughts on which field? 449K, got a low, a low break even, plus a couple of tons in the last few weeks. Should I find the extra cash and get him or take a little bit of value in Sam Doherty? Well, yeah, Doherty's obviously a little bit more than Whitfield, but I'd be going the Doherty path. It, it's just a fascinating mix because it seems like Jack Buckley and, and Haynes have really absorbed all the points that maybe we yeah. thought an Ash a coming in a Whitfield would get. Um, again, Whitfield's role is tough because he is tasked with biting off a lot. And super coach, if you're an uncontested mm. player and you turn the footy over, it's tough. It smashes you. So I don't see the um, the Giants, excuse me, being a top eight team. I think it's really, really tough. Whereas Doherty, all that really concerns you in super coach is he's just been a little bit turnover centric in some of those yeah. early games. And it's funny you look at last year, the start of the year he was plus ten points in the super coach department, and he was mm. in the one twenty range. And in the back half, he was 10 under. So yeah. if you think that's going to right, it's wrong. And he's going to sort of even that up as the year goes. And, and we know he has no problem finding the footy. Mm. He's a guy that I look and go, well, he's sort of in the 110 bracket in DT still. Mm -hmm. He's just had a few little things go against him. Like this is a guy that can do it and he can match midfielders. So for me at, at 509 with a break even in the high 70s, mm -hmm. I know some of the fixtures aren't ideal coming up. Sure. But Doherty can be immune and Carlton can be a team just ball hog-wise that is a little bit immune to fixtures. I think he's the guy because looking in that back line, MJ, if you've got the Dawson, Dacos, Stewart, even a Sinclair who I love, it hasn't been the same as last year. Wanganen yeah. Miller has been awesome. It's a little bit different. Hmm. Um, Doherty feels like a guy to me that can really be a tier above. Yep. Um, and Whitfield, there's just a few things with the Giants. They're going to move things around. It doesn't seem to be the Whitfield that we, we know and love. So for me, I'd get to Doherty. I'd try to find that that 60K, yep. um, which can be a challenge. But yeah, I don't think you need to be shopping in that range. If I'm going to shop in that range, there's a Bailey Dale. You can time that up. He's 439. Yikes. Yeah, JJ's been brilliant since he went back, but he's coming off for 59. So you can time yeah. that in the next couple of weeks when it starts to open back up. You know, there's a string of five Marvel games in a row from round 12 to That's round good. 17, which we know he loves. So I think in the back half, when you see the role changes again for certain teams, this mm. is when you can start looking at 350 to 400K players in Supercoach that you say for 10 weeks, for eight weeks, you know what? They can be close enough. So do I don't that. think that time's yet. I nah, think it's it is coming. coming though post the buys. Yeah, it's really good. You boys have been sensational, Kane. Rids, thank you both for your work on this podcast. We hope for you as you've been listening. MJ, quick yes. one. You got, yes. I'm just going to finish off on this note. Yes. You need to step up your hair game, mate. Kane's left you for dead today. Oh, I've been married for nearly 20 years. The hair game is, is weak for me. So. Whereas Kane's tried to get married He's... for 20 years. That <laughs> explains the hair game. <laughs> Not you do a whole at podcast all. And Rids baking down a... 
breaking down AFL players' haircuts and just how much influence it does have on the players he picks in his team. Oh, it 100% does. It's a big off-season thing. We've known that for sure. You boys have been sensational. Thank you for listening. If you haven't become a Patreon, all the links are in the podcast details for it. Otherwise, we'll be back next next week with another strategy roundtable to help you through another week of fantasy footy. Good luck this week. 